Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. Hey, I don't want to overstate what I'm about to say, but let me put it bluntly. The next two Sundays may be some of the most encouraging Sundays of your life, and that is, that is not putting it uh, overstating. Next week, we're going to have praise uh, and night worship leader, one of the greatest singer-songwriters of our time, Dennis Jernigan. He's going to lead us in worship on Sunday morning, the gathering, and we're all going to be together next week. And then he'll do the praise and worship night next uh, Sunday night. And then the next Sunday, Memorial Day weekend, I'm not making this up, we're going to hear testimonies and witness the baptism, you ready for this, of over 20 people. That's no joke. So it's going to be at the lake. I mean, there's going to be a lot of people. We're going to do some testimonies here in the morning, then we'll do some testimonies at the lake. And, I just, and if you still want to get in on this baptism, see Pastor LeVan, and he'll, he'll run you through. He'll give you some wisdom there. But I'm just telling you, those are significant Sundays. And so I know some of you have some plans and some travel coming up. So if you can, delay your travel. Postpone your departure. Cancel your cruise. <laughs> God's going to do something good over the next two weeks. You don't want to miss it. All right, and I believe God wants to do something even here right now this morning. This summer, my 19-year-old daughter, who's actually coming home late, late tonight, going to be with us for a couple of weeks. But this summer, my 19-year-old daughter will be doing a summer internship in Louisville, uh, Kentucky, with a ministry called Scarlet Hope. Scarlet Hope. It's a unique ministry that ministers to women in the sex industry. They have access, this is in Louisville, to 22 of 23 strip clubs. And they minister to 300 to 400 sex workers. They go into these clubs and they bring the women meals and they share the love of Jesus. And over the years, the ministry has helped 600 women transition to new careers and hundreds have come to Christ. And the women in those situations are desperate, they're hurting, abused, and lost in sin, and they need the rescuing love of Jesus. If I had a chance to speak to these women, this is the message that I'm gonna give you today. If I had a chance to preach to them, I'm gonna preach it to you right now. But I believe the message is not just for them, but it's for us as well, because before you came to Christ, if you remember, you were desperate, you were hurting, you were lost in sin. We are all sick sinners, and Jesus is the great physician who enters to save and to heal, and no one is beyond the reach of Christ, no matter what they're into or what they have done. This morning, we're going to continue to go through the book of Joshua, and we're going to look at the story of a prostitute named Rahab. A prostitute in the Bible who gets miraculously saved. And I'm not only going to look at the story laid out in Joshua 2, but this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to broaden outside of Joshua 2 as well, because did you know that 
Rahab is also mentioned in other parts of the Bible. You may wonder where. We'll get to that in a moment. But we're going to look and see how God has intervened to save, use, and transform her. And as we consider her life, look at how God has saved and used and transformed her, we're also going to look at how God has saved and He's using and He's transforming us. So let's, let's look again at Joshua 2. The Israelites are on the brink of entering the land and they are led by Joshua. After hundreds of years enslaved in Egypt and 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, they are about to finally enter the land. But there's a problem. There's evil people in the land that are there to crush them. But they've been reminded that the battle belongs to the Lord. It's not their battle, it's the Lord's battle. And the command for them is to be strong and courageous. So before they cross the Jordan and head out into battle, they need to go scope out the land, including Jericho, the hometown of the prostitute Rahab. So let's, let's do this. We're not going to read the whole thing, but we'll read some portions. Let's do this. Chapter 2, verse 1. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men as spies secretly from Shittim, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came into the house of a harlot whose name was Rahab and lodged there. <laughs> and they must have snuck into the town. Maybe they looked like they were traveling merchants. And it wouldn't be uncommon for businessmen coming into town to visit the house of prostitution, which would be Rahab's house. Now, these men aren't there to purchase sex. They are there to hide. But the government of Jericho has spies as well. And they see the men come in, and they follow the men going into the Rahab's house. So look at verse 2. It was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, men from the sons of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. And the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. And she said, Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they were from. It came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark that the men went out. I do not know where the men went. Pursue them quickly, for you will overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them in the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. So the men pursued them on the road to the Jordan, to the fords. And as soon as those who were pursuing them had gone out, they shut the gate. Government comes looking for the men, knocking on Rahab's door. Rahab lies and say they came and they went, but she actually hid the spies. Now, do not get hung up on Rahab's lying, all right? During this week, during your small group discussion, don't get into a long debate on whether her lying was justified or not. We're talking about a prostitute in a brothel. There's something bigger going on here that is scandalous than her lying. So pay attention to the main point. And here comes the main point. Verse 8. And before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know the Lord has given you the land, and that the terror of you has fallen on us, and all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you 
came, came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts melted and no courage remained and any man any longer because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven, above and on earth beneath. Now therefore swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you, that you will also deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth. Spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, with all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. So the men said to her, Our life for yours, if you do not tell this business of ours, and it shall come about when the Lord gives us a land that we will deal kindly and faithfully with you. Summarize. God has demonstrated his power to save. She sees it and pleads for mercy. She has heard of all of God's power to rescue the Israelites out of Egypt. She knows that God has empowered the Israelites to utterly destroy the king of the Amorites. All Jericho heard it, and their hearts melted with fear. But Rahab, she turns and makes a profession of faith as she says at the end of verse 11. Did you see it? For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven and above and on earth. She's turning away from her people. She's turning away from their false gods. God has demonstrated his power. She sees it. She knows he's the only one true God, and she calls out to him for mercy, and she risks everything to follow this God. She could be killed, her family slaughtered. She doesn't care. She knows who the one true God is, and she risks everything. Back in our little church, back in the day in Santa Monica, California, we had a man come in, a really small church, come in and sit in the back row. He would come in and pop in week after week, dressed nice. I mean, he was dressed in a suit with a tie. He looked good. He was, he was, he was like, this guy seems out of place here, and he was sitting in the very back row. He would come in, pop out, come in, pop out. And this went on for several weeks. And what was about to happen to this guy is that God was revealing himself to him and he was about to risk everything. So I finally caught him. I said, hey, man, let's get some lunch. So we go across the street, get some lunch. And he tells me his story. His name is Justin. And what he's telling this story, he's saying, I'm sitting in the back row of church and I'm hearing the word of God, and I'm paralyzed as if I'm about to fall over. He said, this happens every single time. I feel like God is about to knock me out of my chair with conviction. He said, I can't stand it anymore. I'm repenting and following Jesus. And then he tells me his story. He said, I've been living the homosexual lifestyle. I live with my partner. We have started businesses together. They're rich. They own property together. They own dogs together. This has been his entire identity in life. But then he gets saved. He breaks. He leaves his partner, leaves the property behind, 
leaves the dogs behind. This is a radical, radical change. This is like a, a Rahab thing. Because when God reveals himself to you, you get to a point where you don't care. You don't care what people think. You don't care what you own. If something is in the way for you following Jesus, you gotta leave it behind. And when this happened, his partner rushed over to the church, met me in my office, and confronted me and said, what in the world is happening? What is going on? This is totally crazy. It's rocking my world. I'm falling apart. He was crying. I said, I'm sorry, Justin has met Jesus, and he has to leave everything behind. It's happened to me when I was a foul-mouthed, immoral man. I said, I, I, that's gone. I've got to follow Jesus. He's revealed himself to me in his saving and forgiving work on the cross and resurrection. I don't care what else happens. I'm following Jesus. Perhaps that's happened to you as well. I don't really care the consequences. God has revealed himself to you, and you're going to repent, and you're going to follow him. Because our God is a God that's here to save. But he's not only a God that's here to save, he's also here to use us. He didn't just save you and just let you hang. He wants you to do stuff. He's here to use you. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to summarize the rest of the story, all right? Stick with me. Let me just summarize it real quick, all right? God used her to help the spies escape by letting them down through a rope from a window. And the men said, tie a scarlet cord in your window. And when we come to attack Jericho, you and your family will be spared. Now, I don't want to get into the symbolism too much, but the, the idea is just like the, the blood, remember of the lamb on the doorpost when the Israelites were escaping from Egypt caused the destroying angel to pass over and yet destroy the firstborn of the Egyptians? Rahab didn't just believe in God's power intellectually. She did something about it. She hid the spies. She put the scarlet cord out, and she was spared because her works accompanied her faith. Then God used her to rescue the spies. You may think, well, that's a great story. It's in the Bible. Thank you for encouraging us. But get this. This story is in the New Testament as well. And it's meant to encourage you today to be people of faith, faith that works. Let me share with you where Rahab, Rahab is in the New Testament. Hebrews 11.31. By faith, Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. New Testament, Hebrews. She's held up as a model of faith that works. If you have true faith, then it will act and produce works. But she's also in the book of James. Did you know that? She's also in the book of James. James chapter 2, verse 25. In the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. Now, this doesn't mean that Rahab was saved by her works. James uses justified to mean prove or demonstrate righteousness. The emphasis here is that real faith works. 
She just didn't intellectually say, I believe in the power of God. She did something about it. Her faith was put to work. She hid the spies, she put out the cord, and she was spared because real faith works. My friend Justin, who was saved in my Santa Monica church, he was very popular and well-known all over Santa Monica, but especially in the homosexual community. And his testimony of faith, demonstrated by radical works of separation, placed him in a spot where God used him to bring others to Christ. And a few years later after he was saved, due to some health complications, one day after he was exercising, his heart failed and he died in his 30s. And his funeral was packed with the most sinful people that L.A. could offer. And the gospel rang out. And God used him and his testimony. And his partner, ex-partner, got saved and put his faith in Jesus. And God has been using his ex-partner to this day to serve the kingdom, and we still keep in contact with him. God is about the business of saving people. You would think they're never going to get saved, and then they get saved, and then God uses them. And I believe that God not only wants to save you, but he wants to use you. You may not feel that. You may think, man, I am I'm a, I'm a sinner. I am a, a loser. My background is crazy. There's no way God's going to use me. But if that's your background, you are in a perfect place for God to use you. God's not floating around the world. Like some of you like think God's like floating around or something. He's just looking at people that are respectable. He's looking at people with good education that come from respectable backgrounds. Are you kidding me? What Bible are you reading? Prostitutes are getting saved. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says, and let this hit you. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh. Anybody here wise according to the flesh? Or not? Doesn't matter. Not many mighty. Not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world. I'm a fool for Christ. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despise. God has chosen the things that are not so that he may know of other things that are. So that no man may boast before God that by his doing you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. No matter your background, God has a plan to use you for his glory. And Rahab's life is still spurring people on today and bringing him glory and so can yours. So God's about the business of saving and using. 
But this is the part, if you don't know much about Rahab's story, that is absolutely going to blow you away. God is also about transforming. I can't wait to tell you this part of Rahab, okay? Are you ready for this? This is, this is the most exciting part for me. Um, Joshua chapter 6, I'll put the verse up for you. Joshua 6, verse 25, it says this about Rahab. Maybe you didn't know this was there. Joshua 6, 25. I guess I don't have that verse, do I? All right. However, Rahab, yeah, you can turn your Bibles there. Joshua 6, 25. However, Rahab the harlot and her father's household and all she had, Joshua spared. And she has lived in the midst of Israel to this day. For she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. <laughs> so Rahab was transferred from a community of pagans to a community of worshipers of one true God. Once again, church is not just a place for respectful people from respectful backgrounds. <laughs> so she becomes a part of the people of God with a new identity and a new future. She is no longer Rahab the prostitute. In fact, she gets married to a man named Salmon. And they have a boy. And they have this kid, a boy. I don't know if you know his name. His name's Boaz. You go, that's a cool name. Boaz is a godly man in the Bible. And he marries one of the most bi popular Bible characters, and her name is... Can you believe that? Rahab raised a godly man and married a godly woman. He gives her a new identity in the people of God, and he gives her a new future. But we're still not done with Rahab because she pops up in the New Testament again. Matthew, chapter one, verse five, genealogy, looking at the lineage of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, Matthew 1, five says, Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. <laughs> there it is, a saved, and transformed prostitute <laughs> ends up in the line of the Messiah. Only God could have done that. You would not have made up that story, right? We would have kept the prostitute out of the line of the Messiah, not God. He gives her a new identity and he gives her a new future. That's what God does. He saves people and he brings them into his family. He transforms them. And you think, well, this is a happily ever after story. No, no, it doesn't always work out that way where you're gonna, you know, get saved from prostitution and marry a great man and have Boaz, Mary Ruth, end up in the line of Messiah. No, 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 no. This doesn't always be worked out where all the pieces fit together, but God is still in the business of saving people and using them and transforming them and giving them a, a new identity and a new future. And next week on this stage, we'll have a guy leading worship whose God has saved from a, a sinful background. And God is using him and transforming him. 
And the guy, Dennis Jernigan, that we're going to see next week, as some of you may have seen from the movie, he has a tombstone in his yard. I think that's a great idea, by the way. I'd love to have a tombstone in my yard. But on the tombstone, basically it's saying, Dennis is dead. The old Dennis is dead and buried and gone. And now he's a new creation in Christ. He's a man with a new identity in Christ, part of a new family, and God has given him a new future that has impacted millions around the world. And that's what our God does. And that's what he started working in our lives. He's given us a new identity, a new future, because he saved us and he still wants to use us. I told you about my daughter working this summer at Scarlet Hope with the women in the sex industry. Now, when I heard about Scarlet Hope, <laughs> I thought for sure 100% that it was named after the Scarlet Thread in Rahab's story, right? That would make sense. <laughs> but no. <laughs> and the backstory of Scarlet Hope is powerful. The woman who started the ministry would just kind of <laughs> go into strip clubs and talk to women and give them meals and share the gospel. And one day she went in, she saw this woman named Scarlett who was there for the first night, who was good to dance. She'd never done it before. She was scared to death, and so to get ready to do it, she had to get drunk. So the ministry leader is meeting with Scarlett and sharing her the love of God and telling her about Jesus Christ. And Scarlett repents and puts her faith in Jesus. And then she threw up all over the ministry person. <laughs> and so she's like, I'm naming this ministry Scarlet Hope. But the name has a dual purpose. It's not just named after Scarlet. But it's also named after the scarlet robe that was placed on Jesus. Jesus was stripped, mocked, and beaten leading up to his death. And the ministry leader would come in and she would see that these women were stripped, mocked, and sometimes even beaten. And she felt like God was telling her, I was stripped, mocked, and beaten for these ladies, and I died for them. And I just want to tell you, Scarlet Hope is your hope as well. I would push it as even far to say, this morning may be the morning that you experience the power of God through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. That this morning, if God is speaking to you maybe for the first time, today is the day to turn from your radical, sinful ways and put your faith in Jesus and let the consequences be what they're going to be, no matter what. Maybe this morning is a day to put your faith in Christ for the first time and abandon all. Because our God is a God who saves and he uses and he transforms people and he gives them a new identity and a new future. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. 
You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way, guided by God's Word.